Welcome into the Solar Insights Podcast. Got Dave King here of Bright Side of the Sun to talk about some breaking news of Devin Booker as well as the Suns trade that happened a little bit ago. How's it going, Dave? Oh, pretty good. You know, it's a great day to be a Suns fan. Yeah, it is. I mean, as an Arizona fan, it's like, what happened today? Cardinals, Diamondbacks, Suns, everything's going crazy today. Um, let's. Why don't you just introduce the Booker news that happened today? Sure. Well, uh, Gambo, John Gambadoro from 98.7 FM, uh, just reported out there. It was the first to report that Booker is set to undergo hand surgery tomorrow, Monday, September 9th, I think. Uh, today, no, September 10th. Monday, September 10th. He'll be undergoing hand surgery. This, according to Gambo, is the same hand, same injury that he originally hurt in early March and missed the rest of the season for when he jammed it into another player. Um, so this has not healed all summer, and now as training camp approaches, we have surgery coming up. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be indefinite, which sounds worse than it really is. I mean, he's we got what... I, I wouldn't care if Booker missed training camp, really. I, people saying, okay, chemistry, uh, install a new system with Igor. I think it'll be fine. But um, Well, it'll probably be fine if it's only training camp. Training camp's only three or four days. The problem is if it goes into a lot of preseason and into the season, um, Adrian Wojnarowski just tweeted that the Suns won't have a good idea of when he could be back until after surgery tomorrow. Yeah. So I'm more, it's kind of in the same vein as the David Johnson thing from the Cardinals. He hurts, breaks his wrist, obviously he's gone. They're not going to put extra tread on his tires when he can't do everything perfectly. Same with Booker, I'm just glad it's not a knee or something where he, like, it's, I know it's a shooting hand, but he's too good of a shooter and it's going to heal. So I'm not as worried about it as I think most people are going to be. Yeah, but if he misses the entire season? Oh, that would be really bad, of course. But <laughs> Yeah. I was just an example of David Johnson. But, yeah, I don't think he's going to miss – I I think he misses half the preseason. What do you think? Well, it, it kind of, I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, this is a hand, and the hand hasn't healed for months. So I personally have not had hand surgery, uh, so I don't know how long that takes. But it sure seems like when you do have – I've had surgeries on other body parts, and it seems like there's at least two to four weeks minimum just from the invasion into your body uh, to get – kind of recovered and then uh that's the redeveloping of the strength and all that so i don't know i really don't i feel like just based on history uh with all sports teams is they're overly optimistic in the opening days and weeks after something like this happens um so whatever we hear we should really probably double or triple is is my take on how long it'll be unless they sound completely nonplussed and totally like oh yeah he'll be ready very easily, very early. Um, but if they say, you know, we got to reevaluate, as soon as they say we're going to reevaluate in six weeks, you know it's going to be six months or four months or three months. That's just a uh, reevaluate only means no one's going to look at it until hopefully it's made progress. Yeah, it's a very long term thing. Reevaluate is not what you want to hear for injuries for sure. Yeah, so that's what I'll be looking for. I'll be looking for uh, surgery went wonderfully because no surgery has ever gone poorly, right? Yeah, right. No one have ever, has ever tweeted out. Um, the surgery went poorly. He uh, had to amputate his arm. <laughs> we had to amputate. Uh, we'll be getting Chris Hansen's hand. Yes, and exactly. Him <laughs> that was great. That was great when I saw that on Twitter. That was hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah, everybody go check out NBA Twitter because it is amazing. So. 
It's a great place to be, man, especially uh, we, we got some nice, uh, quick, snarky commenters out there. On the uh, but that's, yeah. Uh, so I don't know, man. As soon as they say the surgery went great, you will be reevaluated in X weeks. I really think you have to double or triple that time for the reevaluation before it's even the earliest possible return. So what I'm so to the opposite of NBA Twitter, Twitter is they're not able to manage expectations well. Um, but I think that in one sense, it's okay if he misses some games because it's almost. See, I don't want to say this, but it's almost bad if they try to make the playoffs this year. Like they're gonna try and they should, but like if they make it, it'll feel somewhat of a over expectations for next year because okay what now they take the next step take the next step so it's it's i don't i'm okay it's all about development he his the only thing Buckgrass has to do this year is try to win more and be more efficient and be a little better on defense yeah what ha- so what happens if the suns win more games uh have a better winning percentage without booker than they did last year how many people not Suns fans, but other world fans, uh, basketball are going to say, "Well, Booker's not a winner." I think it's kind of, I think it's coming around in the national perception of because basically he had to either he did two things last year that made it better: is he increased his efficiency and increased his defense to where he's not a liability. He's not good, but he's not a liability. Um, so I think those two things have changed the national perception around him. Where I I mean. Yeah, if he's out, okay. If they're how many games was it? If they're five games over, when better when he's not on the. Well, shoot, they've only won twenty-seven percent of his their games when he's been the starter. So so much uh, more than he's started than he's been away. So it's like small sample size, but yeah. Yeah, well, it, and it's also uh, obviously things out of his control. He's not the reason the Suns lost sixty-one games last year. Uh, but he's, sure. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely not the reason. Uh, but if the team wins more games without him, and even at a 35 or 40 win, 40 percent uh, pace, I just wonder, you know, what people are going to think about Booker's contributions. That, that's one little tangent aside. The other thing is they're not going to win at 40 percent pace without Devin Booker, so we don't need to worry about. Yeah, that. yeah, and that's where I, as kind of a, I've coached a little bit and done some stuff. It's like. In one sense, we get to this over over analyzation of things. It's like, what are they going to do? Try to trade him? No. What are they trying to do? Like, they're not going to get talent anywhere else. They just traded away. Oh man, imagine. Okay, so I got to ask you this question: What are the chances the Suns knew that the hand in, hand injury, hand situation, would require surgery before they traded Brandon Knight away? What are the chances that they knew that? Yeah, like, do you think this was a surprise after the night trade and they would have kept night if they had known Booker would miss um, some time? I don't think they cared. I mean, I, to me, it seemed, from what from what I saw, I mean, if you look at Devin Booker's Instagram, he doesn't seem to care that his wrist is injured. He's riding a bicycle down the street. <laughs> well, he doesn't see <laughs> Right, but he also used that hand to sign his $158 million contract, so it works a little bit. It works a little bit. So the question, I mean, so it seemed like it seemed, was a lingering thing. Team USA, whatever, other playing with other people, just lingered on to where he's like, ah, he probably, they're probably trying to figure out if they could get it done without needing surgery. And then they end up like, ah, I guess you're going to need surgery for this. I just wish they would have figured that out a month ago. You know, if recovery times a month, why not do the surgery a month before the season? It seems like this happens with a lot of athletes, not just 
not just this one situation, but a lot of athletes show up to their training camp or, or one or two weeks before their training camp starts and in a lot of different sports. And then they, oh, yeah, I'm going to need surgery about something I knew about at the end of last year. That seems way too common. I do think so. I also think that having in in general, obviously not the specifics, but in general not having surgery is much more better than having surgery in, in any case other than a couple of exceptions. Correct. So I would say trying to avoid it is better, more than missing him for some preseason or some season games when a team is not in their championship window. Like, if, if it's Harden, then yes, that is a problem. And you, t- and you take precautions beforehand. But I think with them not having aspirations, I think it's going to be okay. Any other final thoughts on the Booker thing before we move on to the trade? Uh, well, the book, it's going to be fascinating because now – Everyone moves up a notch, and you've got DeAndre Ayton won't have somebody pulling defenders away from him, you know, gravity-wise. And and you've got Josh Jackson now all of a sudden probably thinking he needs to score a lot. And you've got T.J. Warren probably being more necessary now than he was. Depending on how long Booker's out, are you less likely to trade a T.J. Warren now? I don't know. See, I'm I'm – I know you. Other people are more worried, but I'm not going to be worried until he starts missing regular season games. Until like until it's like late October, I'm not going to worry about it. But I yeah, so I, I definitely think some of that. Are you thinking? I guess this changes today's news changes it. But were you somebody who thought that they were going to trade Warren before the Booker thing? Yeah. Well, okay. So I'm I'm just looking at fit, and a Warren's game doesn't seem to coincide with. The modern NBA. And so when you went, okay, and the other thing to think about is the Suns drafted Warren in 2014. Since then, uh, they've made it, they've, they brought in Josh Jackson, Mikel Bridges, and Trevor Ariza. So all to play his position. So the Suns must not think he's a long-term answer. That's my take. To me, it seems like he's old enough where we're, he's, he's not going to get his defense and or his three-point shooting good enough to stick in the NBA as a starter like that's already like seems to be pretty known right so is he like the lou williams of small forwards that's exactly what he is he's not he's good enough to spot start when a guy gets injured not good enough to start on a team that can make the playoffs i mean he may start on other teams at some point but he's it's i mean his defensive positioning and his three-point shot has a hitch it's just not going to seem to fix itself so i'm saying i say i say I say trade him for somebody, but it looks like you're going to be able to get a stopgap at point guard for much cheaper than Warren, so might as well keep him around to score, because this, these these backup lineups are going to be pretty good. <laughs> they could be good. They could be, and, and you know, we don't know how good of a coach Igor is until he gets, you know, into the season and all that, but I liked what I saw in Summer League. What did you think of how they played in Summer League? I did get to watch as many as I wanted to because I don't have cable anymore, but I did, I did uh, like one. I saw some of it, and I did like what I see. And when I did a podcast with them, Suns Film there um, on Twitter to talk right. about kind of what he is and what what we're going to see from him. I definitely, I mean, you almost can't get better than, or you almost can't not get better than Watson. And then Triano was a good step up, but I think Eager is better than him. Triano didn't, Triano didn't have much of a chance to succeed, right? Taking over the team three games in, you didn't have a chance to really install anything that you really would have wanted to do. And yet he wasn't going to be the long-term answer almost at all anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Igor is a step up. I'm excited for what he's going to do. Um, so that, so yeah, I'm, I'm on, I'm on the board, I'm on board for him. 
Why don't we talk about the trade really quick? So a couple, what was it, a week ago, um, the Houston Rockets and the Suns traded, uh, it was uh, DeAnthony Melton and Ryan Anderson for uh, Brandon Knight and Marquise Chris. And then it turned, and people were killing it. And then people, we found out that Ryan Anderson uh, restructured his contract. So they could, basically it's a wash contract-wise. If they release him. Yeah, it's a wash uh, in the 1920 season. So what he did is he uh, he's making the same money this coming year as he would have otherwise, which is about $21 million, uh, which is about what Chris and Knight make between them. So it's that's a wash there. Um, and then the 1920 season, he's still making, if the Suns keep him, he'd still make $21 million. But if they release him, he's only the, he's exactly the same number Brandon Knight would have been on Brandon Knight's final year at 15.6. And so whatever they would have done with Knight, be it a stretch wave or whatever, they can do with Ryan Anderson. But if they keep Ryan Anderson, that's a full 21 million still. And of course, DeAnthony Melton was a second round pick this year and therefore his cap hit and his stuff is very, very small. Yeah, as an unsigned second round pick, he didn't even count in the trade other than the rights, um, you know, draft rights thing. But uh, he's likely to get a contract. Well, he's very likely. You would think it would be really dumb of the Suns not to sign him uh, this coming year. And he's likely to get something in the range that Elia Kobo got, which is four years, six million, uh, with structured like a first-round pick where the first two years are guaranteed and then the uh, third and fourth years are team options. I mean, and really, there's a lot of competition at the backup point guard spot because you got you, who you got here. You got Kanan, you got um, Harrison, Akobo, and Melton, all making about the same money, all making you know less than uh, Patrick Beverly does and the Clippers put together. <laughs> exactly. So it's and so well, none of them can necessarily start. I think they got a lot of options there, and they can pick whichever one ends up being the best. I hope they just give them all long enough leashes to really see. Because Keenan got injured last year. Akobo yeah. looks very good on offense. Shaquille Harrison's much better than, I think, all of them on defense. And you just got to see what you got. So Shaquille Harris, right. I think Shaquille Harrison is the best of all of them right now on defense. D'Anthony Melton has a reputation and the profile and all that to eventually be that guy too, if not better. Uh, so people are really, really high on D'Anthony Melton's um, upside in the NBA. He's just got to figure out how to be uh, at least – uh, uh, reliable on three-point shooting to help spread the floor for his offense. But uh, he's, he's a good enough passer, so he's probably like Shaquille Harrison, maybe better than Shaquille Harrison in the future, but maybe not quite as good as Shaquille Harrison this year. But they, they kind of profile similarly at this point. And then you've got Elliot Kobo, who could potentially be the best offensive and passing player of all of them, and maybe it may be passable on defense, but he seems to be the furthest from actually producing on the court. Yeah. Do you think that uh, Do you think that uh, uh, Kanan is the the low ceiling, high floor of the four of them? Uh, I'm not. I've never been a huge fan of Kanan. Kanan. I think. I think Isaiah uh, was right place, right time in terms of he's better than Mike James and he's better than Tyler Ulis, but but because you know all the talk was he's willing to push through uh, screens, right? He's willing to fight through screens, and so that seemed like a superstar, you know. Oh, my God, he's willing to fight through, as opposed to Mike James or Tyler Ulis, who always went under. Well, I think Tyler Uh, Tyler just would be destroyed if he went under. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, you know, the theory was that Tyler Ulis could, could, you know, slither his way over 
a screen like you because being so small and and agile there's some there's some point guards or just you know defenders in general who can slip the screen over top of it you know and stay on their man but that that takes a lot of agility and a lot of strength to be able to, to do that that's why I liked what Eddie Johnson said on my podcast back last year was how Isaiah Thomas is the strong version of what Tyler Lewis could be if he was stronger. <laughs> right. And even Isaiah Thomas didn't like doing that on the screens either. So, no. So people were excited that Isaiah, Isaiah Cannon was willing to fight, uh, but that didn't make him a good defender. And, you know, offensively, as wonderful as everyone was, you know, thinking he was, if you look at his shooting percentage last year, 36% from the field. 36% is not going to get it done for a point guard. Which is why I think Kanan is the, the default. If all the other ones don't work out, you got something who can possibly do something. But um, I, I would, if I, if I had to choose and say it, it's really obvious that Melton and uh, Okobo are not ready this year, I would actually take Shaq Harrison. I agree with that. I, yeah. I was just going to try and talk about all four. Obviously, sure, sure, sure. Patrick, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. Patrick Beverly are all both better than them and would love to see if them bring in. Um, so they get, yeah, they got to keep the roster down though. So they can't have all four of these guys going into the year. Well, that's the other thing is right. Um, Pat, uh, excuse me. Isaiah Cannon is non-guaranteed. It's only got the basic training camp guarantee that a lot of the guys get during the summer, like $50,000 that basically gets you through training camp and preseason. Um, and wherever you have to get to cut down day. Um, and then um, uh, Shaq Harrison's is – no, I, I got that backwards. Shaq Harrison has the $50,000 guarantee, uh, but he's otherwise unguaranteed. And then Isaiah Cannon has no guarantee, but it'll, it'll roughly be that $50,000 to get through training camp. It's, a, you know, it's, it's kind of if you're on the team, you get the per diem and all the, all the expenses and all that. So he'll, they'll basically rough, roughly make about the same money by the end of training camp. Yeah, just kind of see kind of which ones can fly to the top by the end of October. Right, and then I'm sure one of them will get released, and it will just be the two rookies if they're still on the team without trade, uh, and then uh, one of Cannon and Harrison. Now, if the Suns acquire a point guard, then it might be both of those guys, Shaq Harrison and Isaiah Cannon, gone. Which would be a really bummer because I love watching Shaq Harrison play. <laughs> I do too, but I also cringed every time he tried to pass the ball into Aiton. That's true, but that was summer league. I, I'm I'm like discarding summer league and passing. Like it's like it's just not the NBA. That's true. So let's talk about the Ryan Anderson of it all. Um, so people, I mean, he was the best player in the trade. It's pretty obvious about that. Um, I would say um, mm-hmm. people yep. are saying he's an absolute bust. He's I mean not not a bust, but he's a he's a no value player. And so I want I was talking to someone about that today, and. Yes, okay, on the, when he's on the Rockets, playing against the Warriors in the finals in high-leverage situations, he is a no-value player. He's a very good shooter, he's a good rebounder, but he can't play any defense. Well, this past year, because he, he had a 29-point game against the Warriors last year during the regular season and helped Houston beat them when James Harden was their point guard. I mean, he can score, but he's 30, so it's like it'll, it's something there. But the problem is for the Suns, he can do a lot more. <laughs> He's a right. veteran. He can stretch the floor. He can rebound. Like, Well, he can be predictable. You know, we talked about this, um, not you and I, but um, I've talked about this with other people, is, is what drives coaches the most crazy is having to put players on the floor you had no idea what they were going to do on a given night. And so you put in a Marquise Chris or a Dragon Bender, and you're, and you're expecting A, and they give you Z. You know, I mean, just – 
what the heck just happened? And then when they do play well, it's it's totally unexpected. Do I write him now? Do I write right. him? Do I keep him going or no? Where's the bottom? Right, the and then writing a young guy. I think fans say this all the time, and you know, I'm 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 privy. I'm I'm uh, a victim of this too. Where when a player's playing well, you want to ride him out because you assume they're never going to fall off. But when a player is a bad player otherwise, and they have a ten point quarter, it's almost like a zero minus. 400% chance that they're going to have another 10-point quarter in the next, you know, because they're not good enough to do that. They're inconsistent. They lose their focus and all that. So, so they're all I think, players. They can have a 10-point quarter. They have ran people off the court their entire lives until they get to the NBA. <laughs> right, 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 right. So I just think that uh, if I'm Igor, I'm actually going to – I'm looking – I'm feeling a sigh of relief to have a Ryan Anderson on the floor when I'm not trusting Drug and Bender because – I kind of see uh, Bender's upside at this point as being a Ryan Anderson slash Channing Fry. You can see that. I mean, I I talked on the podcast before about how I was never. I don't think maybe I'm deceiving myself a little bit, but I'm pretty sure I was never like, hey, he's gonna be an All Star. I was like, hey, he's gonna be a shooter who can pass and play some defense and doesn't turn the ball over. Right. So in, in his best world, in his best world, Jargon Bender can be. Uh, the Channing Fry Ryan Anderson of defense def, defense capable. Which is what you need on good teams is that player, and that that's the thing. It's fit and versatility, and I like the Suns now have like a, I'm looking at the roster. They have like a good defensive and shooting team now. Like it's there. There are definitely good pieces. Yes, they have really good pieces. So let's. I want to talk some lineups because I'm kind of interested in it. Um, it seems like it's going to be Aiton Anderson Ariza, right? Um, let's assume Booker's in for now. See, this is why this is another reason why T.J. Warren has to be traded. Sorry, because Anderson now is the most logical power forward, not only just because of his age and contract, but also because of his skill set. He's perfect next to DeAndre Aiden. He really is. And then Ryan uh, Trevor Ariza is perfect on the other side. And so you're not putting him as a backup, (laughs) right? So you've got these two guys as legitimate. Um, starters, maybe not on a, well, they were starters on a playoff team on Houston. So you can't even say they, they're not legitimate playoff starters because they are. Uh, but, uh, the guys around them aren't going to be good enough to make the playoffs. I'm just saying that Ariza and Anderson have a reason to want to, to deserve the starting lineup job. And when you have that, then that's another reason why you have to trade TJ Warren because he's not going to be happy as a sixth man. And we don't need to go through another Brandon Knight situation or Isaiah Thomas situation. I mean, how many, Freaking years can we go through a guy thinking he's starting caliber and then being told we really need you a sixth man and then they pout. Well, so that's the thing I want to talk about also is the evolution of Ryan uh, McDonough. I think so. Obviously he makes mistakes, but I am probably more pro McDonough than most of Suns Twitter and most of the league. Um, just because it's like, okay, he was too much asset wise before because he, it worked for him in Boston as his assistant GM. And then he comes here and he does some magic with some stuff. And then he doesn't understand. He wants to get a high, good team with good players all around and doesn't understand fit enough. Now he more understands fit. He's molding a roster for use in the modern NBA and working on a little bit more character also, it seems like, a little bit, um, and fit. And so I think that's a really good sign for people and also the evolution of the owner as well. Well, I, I, yeah, I think it's a good sign that Ryan McDonough is surrounding. Okay, so he's 
If I'm Ryan McDonough, I'm sitting there going, I've got Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden, who if I'm going to um, have a really good team, these guys are going to be all-stars. Okay, so if that's the case, what do you put around them? You put around the stretchy, switchy guys, right? So uh, Ryan Anderson, Trevor Ariza fit that mold perfectly. Mikel Bridges and uh, fits that mold perfectly. But who doesn't fit the mold perfectly? Josh Jackson from last year, TJ Warren from three years ago, and, um, you know, what are you going to do about those guys? You, you did, you have moved on. Also, who didn't fit were Marquise Chris and Brandon Knight. Brandon Knight really didn't fit in this lineup anymore. And Marquise Chris really doesn't have the right skill sets to fit either next to a DeAndre Ayton. Chris could have been good, but I don't ever, I don't think he ever would have been good next to Ayton because they, they would want to occupy the basically the same kind of part of the floor. Vertical, not not horizontal spacing for sure, or gravity, as it were. Um, are you yeah, not a Josh so Jackson believer? I. Uh, all right, here. Let me let me let me uh, go my extreme ends. Okay. On one end, he can be Jimmy uh, Butler, right? But on the other end, is he really that much different than Archie Goodwin at this point? Yes, he is better than Archie Goodwin. He's Tyreek Evans is what his middling thing is. No, because Tyreek Evans as a rookie put up five and five on rebounds and, and assists. And if you actually put the, put the numbers together on the, on, uh, Archie Goodwin next to Josh Jackson using like basketball reference or something, they are, they are like scarily the same. So I watched them. I obviously have been covering them when, during, but I actually talked to Archie Goodwin as a rookie year when I was in college when we went to go cover him. Um, and so him and Josh Jackson, from what I'm seeing, I think Josh Jackson's definitely better than Archie Goodwin. Um, oh, yeah. so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go that far. <laughs> what I meant for Tyreek Evans was, I think that his middling, his, the middle of what he could be is Tyreek Evans. And his maybe best is, is, but I don't think he's gonna ever, he's not gonna be Archie Goodwin, he's not gonna be out of the league soon. No, I don't know that he'll be out of the league soon, but I, I but I, I guess what I was saying is, if you gave Archie Goodwin a great personality like Josh Jackson has, um, and he basically, when you give him starter minutes, he puts up 20 points, three rebounds, three assists, four rebounds, three assists, something like that. Um, that's basically what we got from Josh. Now, if Josh can be a lockdown defender, which he has this talent to do, then he's clearly better than Archie Goodwin because Archie Goodwin was a sieve on defense. So I would love to see that. That's where Josh Jackson really needs to make his mark. Not scoring, but defending. Bigger, stronger. I think he's somehow a better shooter, if that sound looks like it. Um, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, I, it looked smoother last year than I thought it was going to be. I mean, it was like a year or two ahead of where I thought it was going to be last year. He still has that hitch. Even in the summer, he had the hitch. Some hitch, but it's clean. It's still swishing. It's, and we can, I mean, he can continue to improve it. I would love to work with him on that, but. He needs somebody good, so go, go for it. Get down there. Yeah. I need to get. Th- I need to do that. Um, so let's take a lineup. So so let's just let's assume Booker's in. Let's assume they don't get Patrick Beverly or Dinwiddie right now. Although I think that they're probably going to trade Warren for. Well, the thing is, okay, what about this? What if you get Patrick Beverly? Do you still trade Warren if Booker doesn't miss a miss time? If you can get Beverly without trading Warren, then I, I mean I would keep tr- I would keep T.J. Warren as long as he's happy coming off the bench. But the problem is that Josh Jackson and Mikhail Bridges are, should play before him. That is a problem. That is a problem. And really, who's who's the most likely going to be sitting out? It's Mikhail Bridges. Who's the most perfect for this team? Mikhail Bridges. Mikhail Bridges. 
And Mikhail Bridges needs to learn from Trevor Reza, his idol, who needs to learn his idol. how to play. When I asked him, I asked him, do you want to be like a Clay Thompson, Steph Curry with you and Booker? He's like, oh, I see myself more of a, as a Trevor Ariza. I think he was awesome. That's so perfect. And now he's playing with him. Yeah. So let's take, so the, let's say the starting lineup is Aiton, uh, Anderson, Ariza, Booker, um, uh, who do you want to pick as the point guard? <laughs> um, what, long term? No, for, if, if no, no, uh, no Patrick Beverly or did. Oh, got it, got it, right now. Uh, I would, I would default to Shaq Harrison. Okay. I, I think that's, I think that makes sense. So Shaq Harrison, um, with therefore Booker and Ariza, I guess. <laughs> Um, so the offense, which you don't need as much of if you're going to throw it into Aiton. So Harrison and Ariza would do most of the defending. Uh, Anderson would stretch the floor. Aiden would just be Aiden, which is just going to be a monster out there in times and then disappear at other times because rookies are generally bad. And then Devin Booker, if he's healthy, is going to put up the 25 points. I think that's a heck of a lot better than last year's team. So what I want to talk about is the backup lineup, which I think is interesting because it's going to kill. I think it's going to kill other backup lineups. Um, because it's 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 like a higher floor than most backup lineups could ever think of. So if it's if it's Rashawn Holmes, whatever Bender, Rashawn Holmes, Bender, Bridges, Jackson, Daniels, Akobo, I don't know. That's that's not very much defense. Not Daniels. I don't see Daniels on the team at all. But he doesn't bring anything else. He's a shooter and nothing else. He doesn't. That makes sense. That's true. But the thing about this, the Suns, like, okay, how many how many bad defenders did they have last year? Like six? They only have, like, three this year. Well, which will make Daniels look even worse. Which means he probably won't make the team. So, if it's, I mean, so the, the, let me look at the roster. The bad defenders is Booker, Anderson, and Daniels. Is that it? Um. Well, people will argue Aiden, but I won't yet until I see it. And Warren. And Warren's a bad defender. I wrote, I wrote years ago that they could never be in a lineup together because of how bad both of them are on defense. Yeah, so I don't, yeah, Warren, yeah, Reed's good. Um, yeah, where does Devon Reed go? He just sits on the bench until we get, we get three deep on injuries. Well, yeah, because the problem is that, like, if Jackson is not starting, then he's a backup too. <laughs> so. Right. I like your, I like your Jackson and Bridges. Yeah, Jackson, Bridges, Bender, Rashawn Holmes, and whoever. I'm not a big fan of Bender and Holmes because they just seem like a a clunky kind of you get what you get. So is Tyson playing? Uh, no, I mean, well, I would like Tyson to play because I still think he rebounds and he directs the defense pretty well. I love Tyson. He's like, he, I was so happy when we got him. I knew it was a little bit late, but, man, I love having Tyson on the team. Yeah, he just he just isn't uh, the game changing leader. He never was the old guy on a team. He's enjoyed it, but he hasn't really embraced it. I can see that. So I don't know. I just think that that those the the pieces that can make up the second units can do some damage. I think, and then the other one, and then this. Well, I think I think Akobo has a chance to be the best of all these guys. Yeah, so I mean, the, the backups could do some damage, and the starting lineup is less of a sieve and less of a. I mean, they couldn't kill anybody. <laughs> right. So I don't know. It's pretty interesting. Offensively, I think that starting lineup could be fun. I mean, you got to get a little better point guard than Jack Harrison, but I still think uh, that could be a fun-looking team. What if it's Patrick? I mean, what if it's Patrick Beverly or Spencer Dinwiddie? That's like a good team right there. It actually is. I haven't watched enough of Spencer Dinwiddie to know if I like him or not as a player. I only know that he had a reputation of – Telling his coaches that he knew basically that he knew more than they did, 
um, in his first couple of stints. Um, but that's, you know, it all depends on your relationship with your coach on whether that's a good or a bad thing. I mean, probably to just think for him versus Patrick Beverly, Spencer Genway is a better playmaker shooter. Right. Right, right. No, but and, and he's big. He's 6'6". Six, six. I thought that sounds right. Um, do you, what do you think of the, like, I was super on board, and I I know there are quote-unquote reasons to not do it, but I am would so be on board of trading Warren for Goran Dragic or whatever you needed to do to do it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You know how good that team would be? <laughs> I would I would love that. I just don't think here's here's my worry is that we're now in September. Teams that wanted to trade somebody did it in July, or they've talked themselves into waiting it out until the trade deadline. I don't think there's going to be any more big point guard trades now. Um, that wouldn't that wouldn't just wait until February or at least January when the dust settles and you see how teams really plan. Yeah, I got I got to check with my guy. They did a podcast. And I forgot to check it out so far, but my uh, Heat guys. Uh, Wes and uh, Dave, David, I need to check them out because they. It seemed like there wasn't anything to do, but I mean, if it's worn and something, because Dragic is still good. So Wes did actually. Wes did a pod with Evan on Locked On Suns this past week, and they did a mock trade negotiation, and they, yeah, and they did end up, um, they did end up agreeing to a trade, but it, it was uh, I can't remember exactly the terms, but it, they did end up agreeing to a trade. But the problem was that that Wes started out the pod um, saying basically what I kind of expect a lot of teams to say right now is um, there's really no reason to have to trade Gorin right now. There's no burning need to trade Gorin. You go into the season and see how the season's going. And if you're fighting for a playoffs, you keep him. And if you're not fighting for the playoffs, then you think about moving him. But that wouldn't be until January, February. But then his value is so much lower than it would be right now. Uh, it depends. If a, if a playoff team gets an injury, yeah, I guess playoff teams always have the leverage to get a guy and mortgage their future for the now because they they're more willing to right. They're more willing to give up the picks and the trade it or, or something before the end of the year. Uh, before the end of the the the. Season. It'll be sad to see him go, but I think yeah, probably he. Um, if not pretty quickly, uh, then definitely January or so he'll get bought out. So do you think that because I mean people tons of I mean Ariza Anderson probably Anderson maybe. Um, people are getting off the books, and like that's one reason people said not that Goran Dragic because there's money on for next year. But who are the Suns going to get? Well, releasing Chandler wouldn't um, wouldn't have any impact on next summer anyway because he's expired. I meant trading him. So, um, but if you trade him for other salary, yeah, they're, they're, that's why they're not going to trade him because they they don't want to pick up salary that goes into next year. But Dragic's salary goes in the next year, so that's the question. But I'm I'm curious. I'm like, who are they going to get that's going to be better than Dragic that for for what this team seems to need now um, that isn't Lillard, <laughs> which obviously is happening. Well, yeah, I agree. I think the only the only thing you can do is hope that one of those point guards loses their first three options and they're stuck with the Suns because there's a few point guards that are free agents next summer that would be good if the Suns, uh, you know, put the stopgap in for a year. Uh, I can look them up pretty quick, though. So, but definitely, you know, Goran could be out there. He's allowed to um, because uh, uh, he has a player option for the next I remember talking to him with a Paul Coro during a, a before a game. That was so such a great time. Oh, I miss Coro. I wish he wouldn't have gone. But okay, so next summer, Kyrie Irving has a player option. Kemba Walker is unrestricted. 
Ooh, if you can get him on cheap, that'd be good. Well, Kemba, I don't think you get him on cheap. I think Kemba's going to be very expensive. But if nobody else signs him, then yeah, maybe they'll get a good deal. Uh, Terry Rozier is restricted. So do, do you want to go for the for the less proven guy or the very proven guy? That's a good question. I'm a little scared. Scary Terry from the playoffs last year is also Scary Terry in free agency because you don't know if that's the player that really on a lesser team he could rise up or if he's just the perfect player on an eight deep, nine deep, really good team. Yeah, exactly. So, that, so that's, that's the thing is he was it's too small of a sample size to know if he'd be good. Do you want to go for a guy who's act, who's a stopgap but you didn't know it until it's too late? Or like like if you go for a Kemba or Lillard, you know you're not getting a stopgap, and that's the, the the security you get there. But you're gonna have right. to pay more for it. You have to pay big. So Kemba's gonna get a huge contract next summer from somebody. Kyrie's gonna get a huge contract. He's got a player option, but he's gonna. I, I'm 99% sure Kyrie is gonna forego his player option to get on the market because there's gonna be a lot of money available next summer. Um, so you got those two, and then. You know, you've got some restricted guys, too, like D'Angelo Russell and uh, Scary Terry. How crazy would D'Angelo Russell be? I remember having podcasts on who's better, Booker or Russell. Yeah, I remember having those, too, but but you know what? He's turned out to be more of a two-guard. Yeah, he got injured, too, a lot. But he's, he hasn't turned out to be a real floor general, but he and Booker are great friends. So uh, he, that actually might be somebody that the Suns go after. Even if they're both twos, or do you think that they could both play? I mean, they're ball handlers, so they could. Yeah, I mean, it could be, it could be uh, like uh, uh, Igor had with. I mean, you could really, you could really come up with, yeah, with with Goran and and Luca, um, the two guard um, run, you know, where they're passing off to each other. Yeah, is he a good enough defender? Do you think to do that? Because I could, I mean, yeah. No, he's a terrible defender. So yeah, that would be. Like the you can't do it. I can't yeah, do it. I know. I'm not going to have a team that can make the playoffs because they have offense, but they can't get any farther because they can't play defense. Hey, guess who else is available next summer? Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Gordon, I don't know why. Eric Bledsoe is going to be available. So will Ricky Rubio, Darren Collison. I would love Ricky Rubio. Yeah. Collison. What about, is Drew Holiday available? I forget. No, he just signed, right? You know, I don't see him on this list, so he must have signed. He signed a year or two ago. Spencer Dinwiddie is available for free next summer. Yeah, Dinwiddie is uh, good, but he's a stopgap guy. You don't know if he can be a playoff point guard. You don't know. You absolutely don't know. Jeff Teague, I would stay away from. Okay, Ricky Rubio is who I want to talk about, though. Ricky Rubio. He yeah, is. There's a lot of point guards next summer. Like, you know Ricky Rubio See, he has good times, and you know he's a better passer than he's gonna be a perfect passer for this team. Yeah. But like, and he can play defense. But can yeah. he shoot enough? Like, he might be able to shoot enough to do no, it. No, he can't. Okay with him. No, he'd be yeah, he'd be a bad uh, shooter for sure. But otherwise, but he's such a good passer and playmaker, he'd make up for it. I think he was shooting well with the Jazz. I was following the lung. He was he's a good he's an okay shooter now. Um, I think they figured out ways not to expose him as a bad shooter. I don't know that he became a good shooter. That's true. I mean, yeah, there's still, I don't know, I'd be okay with him, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, he only made, sorry, he only, he made 35% of his threes last year, Ricky Rubio, and shot 42% from the field, which isn't bad, right? It's just not great. It's not just not great. So this, I'm super excited for this year, though, the Suns. This, I, I was tweeting on this, this might be my favorite team that was that non-playoff, like non since 2010. 
Yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited for DeAndre Aiden. I think he's going to be fun to watch. I love every single player on this team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's going to be – I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Every year I say it, though. Every year I'm saying this is more exciting than last year. And then 21 wins, and so we'll see. Well, we, we went through. We started being – you probably started covering this slightly before I did, but we started covering this right when they got real bad. Yeah, well, I started in 12-13, uh, uh, and so I got to enjoy the 48-win year. Yeah, but I'm talking the 2010 – I'm not talking playoffs. No, I did not cover the team in that time. Yeah, I was like – I think I was 12. I think I might have been the same year there, 12-ish, 11-12, yeah. somewhere around there. Yeah, that was yeah. – since then, we, we're, 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 we're waiting for the good time. It's been bad. Yes, that's yeah, for sure. But I was thought, when we were talking about, the, it flitted into my mind, when you were talking about the four point guards, I'm like, all I ask is not have someone of Archie Goodwin's caliber playing point guard. <laughs> yeah, right? So that was a bad <laughs> couple of weeks. But it's funny how some people just loved it because he averaged 20 points a game. It was it was the worst offense I've ever seen in my life, and I've watched like eleven year olds play basketball without any like. My favorite sarcastic terms, uh, favorite play from Archie Goodwin is when he waved off Coach Hornacek to hit the game winning fall away oh, to the yeah. left three pointer. Yeah, and he laughed about it after the game, saying that yeah, he didn't think the coach's play would work, so he just did his own thing. Oh my gosh, that is the worst! Like, oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Anyway, yeah. Dave, I think any other final thoughts? No, thanks for having me on, Eric. I appreciate yeah, it. This was this was great talking talking sons. Um, definitely uh, check out your hand. Uh, put your handle out there on Twitter on multiple. Yeah, on Twitter I'm Dave King. I'm at Dave King MBA, and um, I write for a managing editor of BrightSideOfTheSun.com. So feel free to stop by, and and uh, I also do a podcast called The Solar Panel. Um, our, our episodes come out once a week, and so feel free to, um, you know, partake in all of our son's glory. Yeah, definitely take, check all that out. I have obviously been a part of this uh, son's people for a while, and it's yep. some great people there doing some great work. Um, definitely uh, check out my handle, at Eric underscore star, S-A-A-R there. Uh, check out my website, solarinsights.net. I got some writers there with some interesting stuff, and we do a podcast every pretty much every week. Start, it's going to start back up again here as the season gets closer. Um, and also, I have two other companies, EliteHoopsDevelopment.com and my new one, uh, SlingshotMediaConsulting.com. So definitely check those out, people. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. Yeah.